Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome once again to Spin the Rally Pod, brought to you by Dirtfish.com. It's the podcast that has the latest news and views on all things rallying, veering in a controlled slide towards the World Rally Championship, but also keeping a keen eye on what's happening in the rest of the sport. And we will be talking Dakar with our correspondent on the scene later. WRC takes centre stage, though, today. We're 10 days away from the start of the 2023 season, as we record with Monte Carlo on the start line as the first of the 13 schedule. Rounds. I'm your host and moderator, Lisa O'Sullivan, watching the sun rise over the roofs of my neighbours' houses from my garden office. Not too chilly here in the UK today. Joining the chat and providing the expertise, we have Dirtfish.com's senior staff writer, David Evans. Hi, Beckham. A word picture from you about your location today. Uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm largely staring at a laptop, Lisa. Uh, uh, is that in your cupboard under the stairs indeed it is no from uh a chilly but sunny shropshire uh looking out over the uh yeah over the 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 rural idyll that is outside so no it's all good i love the fact that uh, we have this vision of you with just your rally blinkers on that means you only look at your laptop well i wish i wish you hadn't said that thing about 10 days to go to the start because that scared the life out of me (laughs) i've got to be honest we've got at least two weeks work to fit into the next 10 days then well that's good news for dirtfish.com deputy editor luke barry it's going to be busy for you you're tucked up in scotland land i am yes in a, a mild and mostly sunny edinburgh lisa but in my room it's a small little office. It's also a bedroom. It's nothing particularly spectacular or lovely, <laughs> but it does the job for what we're doing today. And But a busy David Evans is a productive David Evans, and that means a good output on Dirtfish. So that's all good news for me as well. And, that, and that's yeah. that's actually Luke indirectly saying, don't forget all of those pieces that you promised to write and still have them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that means that we have to have to leave the proper word picture to someone who's probably covered in dust and has sand in places we don't <laughs> want to know about. It is the voice of Rally himself. Good morning, Colin Clark. Uh, good morning, Lisa O'Sullivan. Good morning, boys. Uh, yeah, do you know what, Lisa? I'm in the media centre for the Dakar Rally. If David's looking at one laptop screen, I'm looking at a hundred <laughs> laptop screens. It is very, very busy here. It really is. But, but you know, the boys are saying it's a bit chilly back home. Riyadh, just on the outskirts of Riyadh, we've had torrential rain, we have had cold winds, it's been snowing on the mountains, uh, most unusual weather, and weather that um, maybe I'm not quite prepared for, Lise. Yeah, maybe, maybe you haven't got a sandals on, have you, Cole? Please tell us, isn't it? No, I haven't, David. I'll tell you what I have got on, David, and they have been the envy of the bivouac. Uh, my boots that you described as in a, ve- a very disparaging way <laughs> uh, last year, they are magnificent. I have these pair of Aussie all-purpose, go-anywhere, do-anything boots. I've been wading through lakes, I've been climbing up muddy sand dunes, I've been going everywhere, and they are just magnificent. My feet have been dry all week. Not clean, but dry. They're the kind of boots you'd need for Monte Carlo, perhaps. 
Potentially. Yeah. We haven't got George Donaldson with us to do the weather forecast. Well, actually, let me, Lisa. I think, actually, Gold, bring your sandals to Monty. Uh, from, there we go. From what um, we've obviously got a lot of colleagues out this week on the road uh, for in, in the Alps for testing. Um, so I sent a note very late last night saying, is there any chance? Because it was pouring with rain for M Sports test um, on Sunday. Uh, so I said, is there any chance of snow? And they said, no, six to eight degrees. Yeah. Um, it is the sort of long-range forecast for certainly for this week. But then I did get a message and a picture first thing this morning of quite an icy road uh, for 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 the for the final part I think of M Sports Test. So you never know. But I would pack the sandals anyway. The sandals will go down well in Monaco, won't they, Cole? Uh, no, they won't actually. No, no, no. I just thought what I've just said. Definitely don't wear them in Monaco. Definitely don't wear them in Monaco. You won't get in anyway. Not in those shoes. Um, testing. No, listen. Um, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just moving. I was, this, I was just going to say I'm moving this, this away from this, your footwear, Colin. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to stick with it for a second, but go ahead, Lise. <laughs> We've got plenty of other things to talk about rather than your toes. Um, yeah. Top of this excellent, excellent schedule that's been uh, brought up by you, Luke. I love it. I love it. I love it. We, we are going to start with testing. And um, you, you mentioned M Sport out in the rain at the weekend, David. How crucial is it that they do get out and about and test in in loca- on location, should I say, this close um, to the start of the season? Of, of course it is. And, and it's it's of utmost importance, Lisa. And you kind of look at these roads and you think, oh, they're driving in the rain, they're driving in five degrees, and that's not really a Monty test. Who knows? In a week's time, it could be exactly those conditions. You have to be ready for absolutely everything. And this is why we, we see the, the teams move around quite a lot. They'll hunt for some snow. I know Toyota starts its testing uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. And they're still really watching the weather very closely. And they've probably got, I don't know, up to 10 roads booked. So that at the last minute, they can say, right, now we're going here. Here's for ice. Here's for snow. Here's for sun. Here's for rain. Uh, it's it's what they do. Um, but I, I've got to say, there was a couple of clips that we've been sent through. We will share all of these clips with you. Um, and it was the first the first time I'd seen uh, at, uh, at the test car, the M Sport test car. I was just warming up. Lube was just putting some heat into the tyres and just drifting the car up this tarmac road, coming to the start and launching off the start, and it just looked awesome. And just that kind of thing just really gets you in the mood again for, for, for the season to come. It's the it's the all-white test car, and it's just it's, it kind of ignites the season, if you like, um, and that's exactly what it's what it's done. So we, we will have content uh, up from our, from our colleagues out in the mountains, uh, hopefully out today. Luke, we've already posted some on social, haven't we? Yeah, there's a couple on, on Facebook and Twitter already. Yeah, so if you haven't seen those, you know where to find them, at Dirtfish Rally. Yeah. I love I love the fact that the white livery, though, it does kind of feel like it's a present that hasn't quite been wrapped yet. So you're getting a, a little <laughs> sneaky a, sneaky peek. Exactly that. And so there's the white livery. And then one of the pictures that uh, that I was really keen that I forgot to post over the weekend, but we should post... It's a white livery, and then in the driving seat is Oik Tanek in a plain black crash helmet. He has a test crash helmet, obviously. Um, mm. And he just think, and, and there was this, when you sort of zoomed into the picture a little bit, the, the, the picture was right on the apex of a left-hander, so Tanek's staring at, and it's just great to see those starey eyes coming out of a, an M-Sport car again. Mm. Yeah, totally. I saw a picture of Tanak in his overalls as well. He's testing overalls, and they looked quite interesting. Uh, camo overalls with, as you say, David, that black 
helmet and uh, I couldn't help but thinking, you know, is that maybe an indication, because we haven't seen yet the new livery to come this year, is that maybe a, a hint, maybe that's a little um, a little nod to some new type of livery on the M Sport car, I don't know, but I don't I, know, maybe not, but it, it, it was magnificent to see Oit back out in that car, and as you say David, it doesn't matter about the conditions, the most important thing at this time of the year, particularly for drivers coming back into teams or joining new teams, is seat time. You know, it's all about seat time and familiarising themselves with the car, with the team, with the engineers and Tanak and both Lube, both Tanak and Lube have had plenty of that these last few days. Well, they have. And to whiz back 12 months, Cole, you've got to remember that um, it was the M Sport livery that absolutely set everybody's pulse racing, wasn't it? When, oh. they, when they came out with that brilliant Richard Milner inspired design. Uh, so maybe, maybe they're going to pull something else out of the bag. One, one great story that Luke wrote, uh, and it is—it's kind of sad, but it's—it's it's also really exciting. Is uh, the fact that uh, we're going to see Lorenzo Batelli driving a Toyota Yaris this year, which is great. But Batelli, for me, Batelli's livery was just the most stylish thing in the service park when it was when it was on a Fiesta. So it's going to be intriguing to see what it's like on on the Yaris, isn't it, Luke? Yeah, I think Batelli's livery, I think, is always divided opinion. I think if you see it. In person, it looks great. Sometimes on the TV, it doesn't always come across the same way. But as you say, it's that, certainly That means Luke doesn't like it. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. go that far. I wouldn't yeah, go that far. You'd be in a minority you're, there, Luke. You'd be in a minority. It's very different in person. Yeah. <laughs> you're putting words into my mouth, David. I, I shall, <laughs> shall refrain to no comment in response. But I, I, I do agree. I think it is quite a... We're talking about Sweden here, obviously. For anybody that hasn't seen, Batelli will hire... will be the first driver to hire the fourth Yaris for round two, which is obviously next month. It's not that far away, actually, from, from round one. So we've yeah. got two early Don't say that. You'll here. upset David. But <laughs> plenty of work to do. But yeah, it, it is an interesting move. And it? I don't want to say nobody saw it coming, but I guess we didn't in a way because we hadn't really thought about it. But... I'm sure he's been an M-Sport customer for, for years and years. So it's it's an interesting trend now that it's not only M-Sport that drivers can get a Rally 1 car from, I think is the best way to summarise that, is Toyota now has this car available for, for half the season when uh, Ogier isn't around and Taka's scoring for the main team. So Bertel will be the first one to use it. And I think that that'll be an interesting venture for him, but also for the entire Toyota team to have essentially somebody hiring one of their cars for the first time because I don't think actually no that's a, that's a lie Lappy did it in Finland didn't he but it's the first time somebody were doing it on a, a sort of semi-permanent basis um, but on the topic um, of deliveries I'm really hoping M-Spot don't change theirs I know they often do year to year but I think we all discussed it this time last year that that livery on the Puma is, is stunning and I don't really want to see it go personally yeah no it is very cool absolutely it's, but but start of the season it's a bit like a bride isn't it everyone's waiting to to Make see her make her entrance. The eyes turn down the aisle before she drives up and pulls up to the <laughs> pulls up to part fermo. Uh, and and the point is that you know that it's only really the um, it's only really the M Sport car that ever changes because obviously the other two are the Hyundai and the and the Toyota are much more kind of corporate driven, aren't they? Uh, whereas obviously yeah. there's Ford involvement, but it's it's much more of a freer hand for for M Sport. So hopefully, well I don't know. Let's see. We'll wait and see. Um, we, we, look, let's talk about WRC2. Um, actually, well, no, I did. I want you, you, you kind of touched on Tanak before we go on to WRC2. You touched on Tanak there. Um, Luke, how do you think he's feeling at the start of this season? 
you know, after we talked so much about how he must have been feeling last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, he must be feeling a little more optimistic this year, potentially. You, you, you certainly like to think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> Given the different <laughs> hand he's got this year compared to last year. But I'm sure, I'm pretty sure David told us last night that he did have a call scheduled with Oit for this week. So we'll find out the true answer this week on Dirtfish.com. But to make a guess at the minute, I would say... Obviously, I think at the time of recording, he's only done half a day in the car this year. Lube did one and a half over the weekend, I'm sure, unless I've missed something. So he, has, he hasn't got as much time as his teammate, which I think is quite interesting in a way. But it, perhaps it points to confidence. Perhaps it points it could point to various things. But Tanak back at Emsworth, we talked a lot about it when he joined. He is coming back to a team that, that he knows very well. So all of the, the sort of adaptation processes shouldn't be as difficult as if there was a brand new team to him. He knows who he's working with. He's just got to get used to the car. And as David already mentioned before, that, that, that that's the key thing. He has to find uh, the, the comfort behind the wheel. Whether he can or not, and feel fully confident for stage one next week for the Monte, who knows? But I, I think we've discussed it on, on previous podcasts. A good result for Tanak and Monte Carlo is really a, a top four, top five finish. Just a finish. The last three years, he's never got to the end of the rally. Um, so I think that, that has to be the key way for him to, to build up his championship. Anything more than that, great bonus to build on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, he is the one I think everybody's going to be watching the most on Thursday night, just to see where he is and how confident he is in that car, because it was the biggest move of the off-season, if we're, if we're honest. Yeah, and, and what we can say, Luke, what we can say without any doubt is that that car works well in Monte Carlo. Your lobe jumped into it last year and you know, the drivers were effusive in their praise of just how good that chassis was on the Monte Carlo style roads. So the car will be good, the car will be drivable. The, the thing that we heard most of was that it was easy to drive. Now that's great from, for Tanak coming back into the team. Uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to worry too much about the car. It is just all the other bits and pieces that go around rejoining a team. That, uh, that really he's got to get back up to speed with. The car, I think, will deliver. It is down to Tanak then to go and uh, show us what he can do in it. Mm. I, it it's quite strange, this, isn't it? Because a lot of this feels for for you and I, Luke, as we were going over old ground. Obviously, we, re- we recorded a, a video, a season preview video last week, which you can watch on, on Dirtfish's YouTube channel. We talked a lot about all of this, so apologies for anybody that's consuming both, both pieces of content, but... One of the key things here is that M-Sport has changed quite significantly since Tanak was there last. You know, the team has evolved. Obviously, we've been through two years of COVID, uh, and that has brought changes to the team. We've lost people like George Black, like Ian Tully. These uh, Christian Lorio, of course, has, has moved away. Not that Christian was heavily involved in the design of the car the, more recently, but he was always there. He was around. Um, I put all of this to Tanak and said, you know, it is, it, it, you are going back to a different team. Um, and he sort of said, yeah, but you're seeing that as a negative. He said, I see it as a positive, that there are a lot of young guys coming in, young uh, men and women that have come join the team that bring something else, bring a new energy, bring new innovation. bring. So it's really amazing to see the way that Tanek is, is obviously going into this, ultimately tremendously positive. Um but, you know, the big thing at the top of the tree is Richard Milner, Malcolm, Matthew Wilson, the Wilson family, that will make Oit feel incredibly comfortable. When he went to Hyundai, when he left um, Toyota at the end of 19, it was a big jump. It was a, a big kind of cultural shift, if you like, for him, because don't forget Toyota had had a lot of its base in Estonia. 
um, in Tallinn. There were definitely Estonian links with the, the Toyota team. When he went to Hyundai, it was quite different. Um, and, and he didn't feel at home there. I'm not sure in, in all of the three years he felt truly at home there. He felt at home with certain people and he made some lifelong friends there, but it was nothing like um, the, the atmosphere that he'd grown up with at M Sport. Uh, he's back there. Everything is familiar for Oit. Um, going back to Dovenby, going back to stay with the Wilsons in the house. It will all feed that confidence going into Monty, I'm sure. Yeah, and David, it's, it's the dynamic of his position within the team that's so important as well, yeah. isn't it? You know, when he was at Hyundai, yeah. uh, it was a constant battle. It was a battle in terms of philosophies, in terms of driving styles, in terms of development, direction. And it, he fought that the whole time. What he knows he will get is he'll get, as you say, that wonderful family feeling from the Wilsons, but he will also get what he wants in terms of the direction that the car develops in. And that, I think, is so, so important for Oik Tanak because you know, at the end of the day, um, there will be no excuses for Oik Tanak. Not that he was one to give excuses, but, you know, uh, it was a constant battle at Hyundai. The car really never looked that really stable, if you like, in his hands. And he talked about it a lot and, and the fact that maybe it wasn't being developed the way he wanted. That won't be the case at M Sport. You know, they will do what they exactly as they did with Loeb, uh, sorry, with, with uh, Ogier when he came to the team. You know, they said, just tell us what needs to be done in this car. It took three or four rallies and he had a car that was perfect mm. uh, to his liking. I expect the same thing will happen with Loeb, uh, sorry, with with, <laughs> with Tanak. Um, and I, and I really do hope that that happens. And I think that will give him more confidence. It will make him feel more comfortable than any of the other things that we've talked about. The fact that he has that direct link to the engineers, the people who are developing the car, and he will be there giving his input, and he will get in return what he wants from it. Yeah. Uh, he will, Col. And, and you know, the, also the fact that he's not having the same kind of internal political battles that he had for three years at, yeah. at Hyundai, which takes away your energy. Uh, and it takes yeah, it, it can take away the focus, uh, and we, we've seen that time and again with drivers. Now you know Oit has a, such a very very clear focus. He knows what he's got to do. He knows the parameters with which he's going to work. Uh, he's just going to get on with it. And perhaps the key thing is Oit can now stand and smile with Malcolm Wilson in the Monty Service Park this year, and not <laughs> face <laughs> speculation as to what might be happening. It'll be a smile of being happy within his own team. I'm being a bit facetious there. But if everyone no, 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 you're, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And, and you know what? That was a very deliberate, a very totally. deliberate photo opportunity. I'm sure of that from Mike Tanak at the end of a woeful Monte Carlo rally to be there congratulating the M Sport team quite comfortably in front of all the TV cameras, all the photographers' cameras. Um, you know, he was quite comfortable to be seen there. There was a message in that last year for sure. Oh, yeah, there was. Right, now I also want uh, to for you guys not to make Oit Tanak smile quite so much by, um, you've got to improve your questioning as well, because he is the master <laughs> of the one word answer and you guys fall into it every time I, I notice from the Dirtfish blooper reel um, highly entertaining <laughs> there, were, there were, in our defence there were a few times when we did actually get him to, to, to venture into a sentence or two it's just, uh, I can see his little face and, and you see the eyes and he thinks, oh, I can just go, yes. 
Yeah, but you did, all of <laughs> this from from, exactly. Learning it from all came from yeah. one person. But no, we, it's fair to say that excellent uh, media training. That, so you got to raise your game, guys. That <laughs> Oit did become quite effusive towards the end, uh, and at yeah. times we couldn't actually shut him up. <laughs> you, t- you turned it into a game for him. I think that's what it was. Once he got onto the subject of team management and who like where, uh, he, he seemed to have quite a lot to say. Uh, so yeah, all very entertaining. Yeah. He he always had a twinkle in his eye when he was doing it, unlike Kimi Raikkonen, who would just give a one-word answer. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's move on to WRC two. We will be obviously previewing Monte Carlo uh, a little bit closer to the time, but um, WRC two is very interesting at the moment. And Gus Greensmith is one of those who's well taken a, a, a backward step, would it be, or taken a different step, taken taken the decision to compete in WRC two this year? Is that the right move for him? It's interesting. I, Sorry, no, you, you got it. You, you, you both go. <laughs> I'll, I'll all, I, all I would say immediately is, you know, p- potentially it's an economically more viable move. Uh, in that, okay, we we know that um, that Gus is obviously a factory driver, but he he did make a contribution, um, and these cars are remarkably expensive to run now. We know that. Um, so, for me, it is a massively good step for Gus he's taken himself away from from somewhere and he's put himself absolutely in the middle of a battle that is going to be white hot this year he's going to be facing the likes of Andreas Mikkelsen and uh, Adrian Formo Oliver Solberg all of these amazing talents um, who are all pushing and fighting like hell to get back into a rally one car and it's for me it's a really ballsy move from Gus good on him yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. It is a ballsy move, but I'd also argue maybe he didn't have too much of a choice in it because you know he made no progress last year. He, if anything went backwards in relation to the opposition, it's been 18 months or so since we saw glimmers of real optimism from the Greensmith camp. And you know, Charles Greensmith, Gus's dad, he's no fool, um, you know, and he's, he doesn't wear the blinkers when it comes to his boy. He knows really you know what's good what's bad and he knows how to get the best out of him and i think i think you know another year in a rally one car could have destroyed gus greensmith uh, and i think his dad yeah. knew that i think gus knows that uh, and he's gone back to wrc2 as you rightly say david it's going to be a hotbed of action and competition mm. this year and he can find his level and most importantly he can refine his confidence there is absolutely no question in gus greensmith's speed you know, he's got the speed, he's got the natural speed. The rally craft has still to be worked on. He can do that. He can learn to win again. He can learn to compete at the top top level. And it is the top level in WRC2. Um, a far, far better option for him, I'm sure, this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do up against some really, really strong opposition and some great talent. It'll be a good measure of where he's at. Just to add my, my weight into there as well, I agree with what both of them have said, really, in that it is definitely a ballsy and a, and a brave move because I think one of the, the main criticisms people have had of Gus and his way to the career, and I guess it happens a lot when you've got a driver that has more backing than maybe some others do, is that he's kind of almost fast-tracked things and not always proven his next step up with ultimate pure speed. He's had potential, but he's not always been the best of his class before he's made a move ahead of others. But... This gives him the chance and all of us the chance to see just where his level's at. 
As David said, he's up against Oliver Solberg in the same team, his old M Sport teammate Formo in another team, and you've got the likes of Sunanin. We could we could be here listing <laughs> names all day as to how many talented drivers are in WRC too. It's it is a real hotbed of talent and the level is almost just as high as, as the main class, just with slightly less powerful cars. So it would be a great measure of, of what you can do. I have to say I, I agree with, with Colin as well and I think any step away from a full season in M Sport is a good one for Gus. For him and again for just measuring what he's up to. I have to be honest, I kind of, when we learnt that he wasn't going to be at M Sport this year, I was actually expecting a, a Toyota announcement. Um, that was what I thought would happen. But as David referenced, <laughs> economically, running a Rally 1 car for, for that kind of season, it probably doesn't give you the same value as doing WRC2 and a load of testing milk. You'll get way more time in the car in a Talk Sport Skoda than he would in a Toyota. Um, and it's annoying in a, in a sense. I, I spoke to Gus last week and I sort of tried to get out, out of him as to how close Toyota deal was and maybe why he didn't go for it. He wouldn't tell me anything, which is absolutely his prerogative. <laughs> but that was a shame. I'll try to do a bit of digging and, and find out. I'm sure we can over the year as well. But it, it, it is, as you say, to, to, to wrap it up a bit, it's a, it is a very positive move for him. I guess the risk that he is, and this is what makes it ballsy, is because he's up against so many other drivers, it could... I don't want to say it'll be the end of his career, but he, he has a job to do here. He really has to perform against the likes of Formula 1 Solberg. Otherwise, he may never get himself back into Rally 1 at all. I've always been a fan of these, as they are, support championships, um, partly because when we were producing the radio output, <laughs> there was a lot of content that provided uh, airtime for us. And it, it was very interesting, but it, it often lacked... Um, amount uh, a large amount of quality in one place. WRC2 this time is going to have so much quality in it. Is it going to draw the eye away from WRC, do you think? Or or is it going to just very much have that role as a support championship? I mean, undoubtedly it will. You know, the, there will be events where the fight will disappear quite quickly in Rally 1 um, and Rally 2 will d- deliver just a great battle. Absolutely. My, my biggest concern with Rally 2 is the same one that I had last year. Uh, or with WRC2, sorry. And it's the, the fact that, I mean, it still hasn't been addressed by the FIA or by the promoter in that there is this ability for drivers to avoid each other. So do we have yeah. a true champion at the end of the year? Um, if, if mm. so to, like, take last year, Emil Lindholm, absolutely stunning driver, but did he beat uh, Andreas Mikkelsen and Kaito Kaitanovic on every event? No, he didn't. They, they all could have this ability to avoid each other, to go to Kenya, to go to Japan, to go to New Zealand, to go to Greece. To get... That, for me, is something of a nonsense. I do understand the issue that the rally organisers, all of the stakeholders face in the championship, but we have to find a solution to give us an absolute true champion. Mm. No, I think that's absolutely bang on, David. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's slightly perplexing, isn't it, to the casual viewer, if you like, the casual fan, mm. um, that you can again... You know, what, what we want in the support championships is for the best, the talent, the most talented drivers to come through at the end of the year. And there is that opportunity for those with the biggest budgets once again. And you will never, ever escape the issue with big budget buys you rallies, it buys you time, and it can buy you titles. Um, but there are ways to mitigate against it. And for whatever reason, as you say, the FIA, the promoter, they've decided not to address that this year. And um, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. It could have had quite a, quite a big effect on the, the outcome of the championship last year. I honestly think Lindholm was right up there with, with the most talented of the 
drivers, mm. and he was quite Absolutely. deserving of that title last year. Uh, but we, we, we potentially had a situation where another driver who may not have been quite as deserving could have won it because of the size of his budget. And um, I, I, wherever possible, we want to try and mitigate against that. Impossible to completely avoid it. But it, if there's an opportunity to mitigate, why don't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's the old adage, isn't it? It's not the size of your budget, it's how you use it. It, equally, I think it is the size of your budget as well. Because, you know, this this yeah. year, there will be those who can afford to, to afford to to get their hands on, on the latest Skoda. You've seen that thing in action, Cole. It is, it's a weapon. Yeah. Um, wow. And oh. so if you've got, if you're in the right place with the right, the right amount of cash, you are going to get the keys to that car. Um, and that's gr- going to, no, I was going to say greatly enhance, it's going to enhance your, your ability to win the championship. Uh, compared with with a driver that's in a two or three year old car, so yeah, budget always counts. But we're never going to, as you know, never going to mitigate against that. But what we can do is is line them up head to head. I, I, can Absolutely. somebody answer me this question? It might be a really stupid question that we have to edit out because it's like Lisa. Why did you ask such a stupid question? <laughs> but but why don't we see Skoda stepping up into WRC one? It's it's just not part of their program um, at all. It's not. I would say it's never off the table or it's never too far off the table. It's always something that's discussed. It's a question that we ask regularly. It's absolutely not a stupid question, Lee, uh, because it it appears to us to be an obvious one, doesn't it, that they've got yeah. um, all of the infrastructure, all the framework, uh, and they've got this tremendous... And a great history. A great yeah. history, brilliant facility in Mlada Boleslav that they could use, but it, they, yeah. just, they just never have, have gone back, and it's not... I think it's part of the wider group policy... Uh, the Volkswagen Group that they just they don't have sign off to go and do it. Uh, I think we all hope mm. um, that they could, and potentially if the FIA uh, had gone down a different road, um, they they would have been there. You know, if they'd used Rally Two cars as the base car um, for this current homologation cycle. Personally, I think we would have seen an awful lot more manufacturers, and I think it would have been almost impossible then for Skoda to ignore that. Totally. Yeah, you know, they built a very good model based on customer racing, though, haven't mm. they, David? You know, they, 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 yeah, you know, the number of Skodas that they sell is phenomenal, and it's and it's you know self-supporting, and that's important. You know, <laughs> you step up the level, you step up the budget massively. You know, they work within the budget that they've got, and they do a great job. You know, at the end of the day, motorsport is about marketing, and you know, they're winning championships, they're winning rallies around the world, they're getting you know press space, they're getting mm. TV time around the world for the product they have. Then. You know, balancing that up against how much more return they would get if they spent tens, if not hundreds of millions on a WRC project over three years, probably doesn't add up for them. They're, 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 they're in a good place right now, Skoda. And, and um, you know, yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day we'll see them back. But right now they're in a pretty good place, I would argue. I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. And I think it's, it's interesting because, and I don't want this to sound like I don't think Skoda could win at the top of the WRC because we haven't really got any evidence to suggest they couldn't. But there is no guarantee of it. There never is. So it's a, it'll be a big trade-off for them to... At the minute, we have to assume the new car in particular is going to be the class of the field this year. So you're going to again have to assume that they're going to win a fairly hefty chunky of rallies and potentially the championship, which they've been doing for the last few years anyway. So it's it's a, it's a lot to, to trade in. As, as you say, they do get plenty of, of media time from the likes of us and non-specialist media and everywhere else around the world. So... It's for us, we're sitting here as fans and thinking, crikey, it would be amazing if we could have them in there. But if you're Skoda, 
I, I don't think the numbers, particularly with how expensive Rally 1 cars are, I don't think it would make much sense at the minute unless there was any kind of regulatory change. Uh, so they're in a good place in WRC too. Colin, you are also potentially see it smooth this is potentially in a good place now i i have questions i have questions um yeah, knowing how much you love um creepy crawlies and beasties and weird things yeah. i noticed that dirtfish have rolled out the budget um but not the laminator because we haven't got any branding on your tent that i saw you, you, you setting up um yeah. on social media mm. Yeah, listen, that's part of the Dakar. I'm, I'm, I'm out, uh, you know, following my first Dakar, and it is about tents, it's about bivouacs, it's about moving enormous distances day by day. Uh, I, I'm yet to see any creepy crawlies. At least it's winter time, and, and I guess they all hide away and hibernate. I don't know. Um, oh, fair enough. But uh, my goodness me, my goodness me. David, go on. No, just how cold is it, Cole? Is it a jumper weather? Really cold, David. You would love it. You would love it. Really? Honestly. So the, fir- so the first week, but this is the thing, we're covering such an enormous geography that, you know, the first week we were in Yanbu, and that's where all the, the checks took place. When I walked into the service park for the first time, in fact, it was 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, the sun was coming up, and I could not believe the scale of this thing. I couldn't believe the scale of it. You know, there was an enormous tent in the middle of this bivouac, and I thought that must be some administrative tent where they have the cars or something. It's the catering area. It's the <laughs> catering area. They cater for 2,000 people are sitting. Um, the scale was just phenomenal. We were down at Yambu, which is on the, the, the Dead Sea, a stunning location, right on, not the Dead Sea, sorry, the Red Sea, uh, 25, 26 degrees borderline for you and your jumpers David really borderline yeah. I had my shorts on we then headed off to Alula which you know well got a little bit more chilly we then came across to Hyle and my god it was proper winter time one degree overnight torrential rain a service park like a mud bath um, it was it was proper deepest darkest Scotland in the dreekest of dreekest winter weather so in yeah we've seen a little bit of everything in, well, in my tent up until a few nights ago, where I uh, I gave up on the tent, and I'm, I'm we're in we're in Riyadh just now, so the hotels are pretty close by, so I've managed to get a, a hotel for a few nights. But from tomorrow night, we start heading into the empty quarter, which is where those incredible sand dunes just kilometre after kilometre of incredible sand dunes. We head down there, and it's back into the trusty, dependable tent lease. I can't wait. Is it is it leaked or anything? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not leaked, David. I, so, here's the thing. So, you know, I was reading all of the communications from the organisers and I, I very quickly oh, skimmed over the, the, oh, the lists. <laughs> I, well, well, I, I read them eventually and I, and I skimmed over the, the, like the list of, the list of um, you know, a required list of things to take with you because it had things like tents and sleeping bags and head torches and I'm thinking, that's not for me, that's for someone else, obviously. Boxing Day, I discovered it was for me. So I went out I went out to go outdoors and bought a whole load of kit, which I thought was pretty good kit. The girl was fantastic. She took me through the various options. She said, yeah, they've got those festival pop-up tents, but, you know, any kind of weather and you're in trouble. So I got a proper little, you know, one-and-a-half-man tent, I'll call it. And I'm very pleased I did because it, it has kept the weather out. But the only thing that's let me down is my fantastic bear house supposedly fantastic bear house roll mat Uh inflatable roll mat which yes it inflates it inflates two hours later you're sleeping on the ground it deflates so what i've been doing sleeping for two hours waking up blowing my mattress up another two hours wake up blow my mattress up another two hours it has been it has been a little bit testing i'd have to say um but it's great fun it's all part 
of the the whole experience, the adventure of the Dakar. I'm clearly not the only one that's sleeping in a tent. There's an absolute sea of tents around here. There are tent boxes, there are roof, roof tents, um, there are some incredible contraptions, there's some incredible engineering when it comes to mobile tents here. Uh, and it's all part of it. It's could all you, part of it. You, so you, you go feral for a few weeks, but, but you have fun. So you, you go from feral to Casino Square, which is going to be quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <coughs> I, I go from feral to the washing machine, to the hairdressers, <laughs> and then to Casino Square. David, I will be elegant as always by the time I get to Monte Carlo. But, Don't you worry, darling. Don't but, you worry. But but I am slightly confused about this, Cole. Presumably you've got a leaking valve or something on your on your bed. Can you not get ProDrive no. or somebody, some of the greatest engineering brains, David Lapworth's there? Surely you no. can just present it to him. No. No. Nope, David, it's beyond redemption, this, oh, this ridiculous piece of kit. It's impossible to find where it is because it's not, it's, 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 it's not the valve that's leaking. Uh, it is leaking somewhere and it's the tiniest of leaks. Uh-huh. So I can lie on it and my, my rather live 12 and a half stone lying on it. You know, it still takes two hours for it to go down. So it's a tiny leak somewhere, but, but you if, know, it's all part of If you're listening to this, and you can care. help Colin Clark at Dirtfish Rally. It's the way to get in touch and um, <laughs> yeah. maybe we can save Any- his back. Yeah. Anyone in the bivouac with a spare mattress, I am looking at tents with envy. I am looking at mattresses with envy. I'm actually peeking inside some tents that I shouldn't be peeking inside and thinking, oh my God, that is luxury. That is luxury. <laughs> and all they've got is three cushions on the floor. <laughs> Can you not go and buy three cushions, Carl? <laughs> I probably could, David. There is, there's no shops around, though. We, we're um. literally in the middle of nowhere where we stop. It's, it's, it's been... Um, I have to say, though, you know, this is all part of the adventure, and I'm, I'm completely loving it. I'm sure we'll get a little bit more time at some point to discuss the Dakar, and then, and then more than the Dakar, the World Rally Raid Championship, because I, I think that that is something with uh, a lot of potential, an awful lot of potential. So much so, we've got um, the great and the good of M-Sport here today having a look around. You know, everyone wants a little bit of this, including manufacturers, including manufacturers. I talked to David Richards this morning um, from ProDrive, running the BRX Hunter cars here, and he said, look, you know, there, there's more chance of getting new manufacturers in cross-country than there is potentially in world rallying, and, and that must be a little bit of a concern for the World Rally Championship. Um, you know, it's, it's not competition yet, the cross-country championship, but going forward, it could increasingly become competition in terms of the, the spectacle, but more importantly, in terms of its appeal to manufacturers and what this championship gives to manufacturers to demonstrate their ability, their technologies, their innovations. That, for me, is quite interesting, David. It, we should also be very well aware that DR is very good at playing the game, isn't he? And he has... Uh, a vested interest in, in off-road racing uh, with a great car that his his company has developed and engineered. And he's probably closer to to more of that action than more WRC action. I can completely see his point. Um, and it is going to be fascinating over the coming months and, and probably years to see how, how, yes. how it rolls out. Yeah, it's, it's years, David. Remember, it's, mm. it's, this is the second year of the W2RC Championship. So it is going to be, uh, you know, I think a few years yet until until we see the full potential of this championship. But but you know what? You know, I'm sitting in the media centre now and, and you know, I'm looking around and I'm looking at a few journalists and I'm looking at quite a lot of photographers and I'm looking at maybe 20 or 30, and I kid you not, 20 or 30 social media specialists. And that, for me, says an awful lot. Yeah. It says a lot. We don't know? have many of those in WRC, do we? 
Well, well, we don't, and, 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 and the, the, these, these, the, yeah, yeah, and and you know, the, the, they're, they're young people who who understand what's wanted, what's needed, what goes down well, um, and it's um, it's quite refreshing to see, to be honest with you, young people mm. who are discovering rallying. Okay, cross country rallying, it's all rallying. They're discovering rallying for the first time, and they're they're doing a great job of selling our sport, which I'm 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 loving. I'm loving the output, the social media output from this event. Are we talking at all about what what's actually happening on the event, Colin? Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's it's, it's been it's been a tough week. It's been a really really tough. Week. I was going to say, how easy is it for you to actually cover as well? Well, not not the easiest, as you can imagine. We're we're travelling anything up to a thousand kilometres a day. So, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. The organisers have a couple of aircraft that they've chartered, and uh, okay, I've had a couple of days where I've gone via car. You go via the stage, have a look at the stage, uh, and then you come to the bivouac in the evening. So it's it's not so easy to cover, but you know we catch up with the drivers and the teams once a day, uh, and it's been hard. It's been really, really hard on everyone. As I mentioned, when we got into Heil, the rain was torrential. The place turned into a mud bath. Um, the rivers, you'll have seen the footage of the guys trying to cross the wadi. Uh, it was flowing like a raging torrent. Uh, the rivers that appeared in the desert were frightening, really, really frightening. And, and it's been a hard Dakar rally. After last year's 2022 rally, a lot of the participants, a lot of the teams spoke to the organisers and said that was too easy. It really wasn't a typical Dakar. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, very odd. And, and you know, David Casteras. Some uh, degree of regret there now, I suspect. Well, he, he's put on a more challenging course and then he's had more challenging weather on top of it. Yeah. And, and that's difficult. That's difficult to deal with. But yeah, you know, we've come to Riyadh and, and, and you know, the first night we got to Riyadh, the rain, goodness me, you know, the motorways were flooded. So they deal with 450 kilometres in the dunes, on the tracks, in the mud. They come out the stage, they've got another 350 kilometres to go to the bivouac on motorways that are flooded with drivers that aren't always driving to the highest standards. The whole thing is a challenge, and it's a challenge that's just quite remarkable to watch. Right, it is. Enjoying all the content that you're sending anyway. Yeah, no, and I'm enjoying enjoying making, and and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying catching up with old friends. There are a lot of familiar faces around the bivouac, uh, a lot of familiar faces, and you know, meeting meeting new people is lovely as well. Actually, uh, I met for the first time Dani Akil this morning, who's who's a a Saudi lady uh, competing here, and she is an absolute joy to talk to, and quite an inspiring, uh, quite an inspiring lady to talk to. So you know, meeting new people, making new friends, like. Uh, it's all part of the Dakar experience. And we are obviously very, very much hoping to involve Dania um, in our Women in Motorsports Summit on March the 11th, part of the the Women's Month that we're running for the second year in succession, in succession through March. Uh, there are some extraordinary stories out there, Colin. Just, you know, we've seen yeah. you and, and Stephen Brunston, our brilliant uh, off-road writer and features editor here at Dirtfish, combining to bring some extraordinary content one of the, my favorite pieces has been about why the drivers why we've seen two drivers blacking out on the event yeah. Yeah. I, I mean that you know it's it, of course it's not unheard of but it's quite remarkable uh you know those those pictures what, what, of shisha it was were as, astonishing weren't oh. they? yeah do you know what what's happened what's happened is you know the fia have done a fantastic job in terms of you're know, equalizing out the performance mm. of some very very different uh, competitive vehicles here. You know, you've got you've got this this Audi, which which is which is a you know a hybrid. It's a it's a Frankenstein type car, isn't it? It's got a bit of everything in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're and they're up against they're up against the the diesel powered four wheel drives, the petrol powered four wheel drives, 
and it's the FIA's job to equalise those performances and they have done a fantastic job with that, they really have. But what's happened is they brought the, the, the power output of all of the top vehicles down but the level of driving has increased and the drivers are pushing these cars mm. now to the limit. What we're seeing here, I've covered quite a few cross-country events in the past and you know, there's caution in the dunes, absolute caution in the dunes. You know, you, you go up to a crest, you can't see over the crest, you go on the cautious side. What we're seeing now is drivers, because they're having to push to the limit, they're taking risks and they're taking risks that they haven't taken before and that is why we're seeing the Audis losing wheels, losing suspensions, we're seeing some unbelievable impacts. I talked to, um, oh, I've forgotten his name, how, how terribly remiss of me, um, Lithuanian driver in one of the Hunter uh, Pro Drive Hunters this morning and, and what he said, he said the cars are so capable, we've, we've not reached the limit of what the cars can do, but we've re reached the limit of what the crews can endure. He said we're hitting, we're hitting, we're jumping, we're hitting sandbanks head on and the car is just absorbing it and going forward. He said in the past that would have just completely stopped the car uh, and stopped the crew. He said, you know, it's the crew that take the impacts. The, ca the car just endures and heads on. It's the crew that feels it. So mm. they're at a limit or they're close to a limit of what the crews can actually endure through these sometimes 500 kilometer stages. It, it is remarkable to watch. It really is. I'm watching the way that strategy folds out and you know, the, the, the master of strategy is Nasser Alatia and, and his hour lead speaks volumes mm. for how good he is at strategizing his way through a Dakar. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued, Colin, about how you're going to, uh, as he's, as David so beautifully put it, de-feral before you come back to Monte Carlo and how much sand <laughs> you're going to leave behind, kind of shake off the dust uh, to get back for, for Monte Carlo and you know, you're not going to be back in time for the testing. I, I, sorry, David, but it's less than 10 days now um, before Monte Carlo. We will be doing a preview uh, of the first event of the season next week. But, um, yeah, how 10 days before the event. I mean, what are the teams doing the at this point? The teams are pretty much all in the Alps right now. They're dotted. As we said, they'll have lots of different locations. Uh, they're all there getting ready. Um, and there is... There's, there's lots of evolutions within the team. Interesting for Esapeka Lappi to, to, to get into a, um, into a high-end dive for the first time and see how he feels there. There's lots going on. Uh, the teams will be incredibly busy. It's not quite as busy a uh, off-season as we've seen. I can't remember. Certainly, was it? I don't remember the exact date of Monza in 2021, but certainly I think 2020 going into 21 was unbelievably hectic. Uh, and I know that some of the teams actually yeah. even went straight from Monza straight through the Alps uh, to their to their French to their testing in the French Alps. Obviously, we haven't seen as much testing. We didn't see any Rally One cars testing in December because of the new testing regulations, which have come into into play for this year. So it, it's all changed, and now essentially the the teams are going to be running a day each for each driver. We'll see four days from from Toyota because obviously we see Takamoto, Katsuta and Sebastian Ogier in, in Monte uh, and then three cars with three days with Hyundai so it, it's going to be great and there will be there will be lots going on um, even though the conditions are perhaps slightly more benign than, than, than they might be there will be lots of action uh, and it's that week that actually you're always really envious of people who are based down around uh, around the areas where, where the guys are testing and we're not really going to say too much because the teams are quite keen to try and keep that a little bit private 
Um, but and there is this kind of bunch of spectators that find out where the road closures are, and they all get there, and it's and it's great. See the fires at the side of the road, and it's a real opportunity to go and engage with the drivers and the co-drivers, and when they're just a little bit more relaxed, it's uh, no, it's yeah. great. That's that's the kind of essence of the sport. That's what we love about it, isn't it? The accessibility. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Colin, we're going to leave you um, to pack up your tent oh. and move on again. Um, Thank you. And no, 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 Lisa. Little secret: move out the hotel. Move out the hotel. <laughs> yes, of course, I forgot, forgot you were in Riyadh. And, 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 right. and move, move back in. Move back into the tent. <laughs> what, what? Tell us, Cole. What was that? What was that? That bed. <laughs> yeah, that sounded a bit weird. <laughs> tell us. What, sorry. Tell us that. Um, what was that first moment like, Cole? When you, when you took off your everything off and you got into bed for the first time in probably a this, week. This is a dangerous. It's a dangerous avenue. But no, I mean, no, just no, no, how no, comfortable honestly, was it, and honestly, how well David. did you sleep? Oh my God! It was—you can't imagine <laughs> stripping off into a bathroom and going in and actually just standing under a shower, going hot water, clean showers. Oh my goodness me! It was heavenly. It was absolutely heavenly to have pillows, to have a mattress, to have curtains that actually blacked out the light, not to have the sound of nut guns going in your ear every five <laughs> minutes. Oh, it was—it was—it was heavenly. It was absolutely heavenly. Uh, and I will enjoy tonight, but tomorrow I'm back on the proper Dakar experience. And honestly, honestly, 53 years old, haven't camped in 35 years, but I'm quite enjoying it. Really, I'm quite enjoying <laughs> What's the, without being overly graphic, what are the, uh, the ablutions like? Do you get a, a sort of private shower? You haven't bumped into NASA in the shower or anything like that? <laughs> Yeah, yes. Yeah, you bump into the drivers and you bump into the the female drivers and the male drivers. But they're it's, it's you know it's obviously sh- they're individual blocks. Um, yeah, but it, you get I mean it's individual cubicles. Yeah, individual cubicles. But the, the the biggest bit of advice I would give anyone who's coming to work on a Dakar is don't forget your flip flops for the shower. You do not want to be standing in those showers with bare feet. That's all I'm going to say, and that's probably too much to say to be honest. <laughs> but that is all I'm going to say. Uh, there's nothing like uh, having a great day's rallying and then going into a shower and kind of feeling like you're just being power hosed down but, with all the dirt coming. Yeah, the great coming thing off. is, Lee, here's the great thing. You know, there, there are banks and banks and banks of showers uh, and there's nobody telling you, you know, you're using the hot water and there is mountains of piping hot water. So at the end of a day, it's been a long day. You've been out and about for whatever it might be. These are ultra long days here. Uh, you can go and stand in the shower for 15, 20 minutes at 11 o'clock at night and just about feel human by the time you get into your tent. It's great. Oh, amazing. Fantastic. Right, if you want to keep in touch with us here at Spin the Rally Pod, like and subscribe at Dirtfish Rally is the way to keep in touch with us across our socials, as uh, the youth say, as Luke Barry tells us to say. And um, <laughs> if you have any questions, if, you, if there's anything you'd like us to cover, to discuss... We will be here for you at Dirtfish Rally is the way to keep in touch. And, yep, David, I've heard that you are typically tapping on the keyboard as you go, 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 go. Less than 10 days to the start of the season. Luke, keep the whip cracking. And, um, yeah, stay safe in Dakar, Colin. Thanks, Lise. Thanks, Lise. Thank you very much.